Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Um, today is the first day we have sung a full set of worship and today we'll... and um, I just really want to honour Jake and Marie and also, you know, give them a, give them a hand. And, um, and for the early team that have been on the journey with us, I know Kim Colebrook has always sung beautifully in any Tereo Māori songs and has helped us really pioneer that in worship. But there is really only so much we can do as we lay a path for others to pick up. And, and today was just the fulfilment of um, me and the prayers that God has answered for us in this house together and to be led by Jake and Marie. And Jake really is um, the kaimatua of our house. He is the one who is taking on that um, sort of chief role of speaking into um, our culture and our language and, and ultimately into our church and beginning to just step up. As, and we really honour that and we're so grateful for that, Jake. Thank you. So today is pretty special because I just want to share quickly a little bit of um, my heart and my testimony around why this is so important to Mark and I. Some of you already know this, but I'm also aware that many of you have joined the journey of C3 Whadikarakia over the last sort of year or two. Um, and this is, you know, singing Waiata and worship and perhaps hearing Mark and I kururo with some Today, our words has become a little bit normal, but um, I just want to invite you into a little bit deeper of the journey that began in our life um, sort of four years ago, but also want to let you into where we believe and where we're hoping that this journey would take us. And so about four years ago, we invited Aaron Hardy through to our church and um, many of you may have heard him speak. If you haven't heard him speak, we're trying to get him to come next month and um, he has become a great source of learning and just a leader for Mark and I. He is Pakiha himself and he leads um, Link Aotearoa Church in Hamilton, and he's devoted a significant portion of his life to understanding the story beneath our feet, the story um, within the Fenua, the, the story within the land that carries what's happened over the generations of Aotearoa. And he came and spoke about four years ago, and there's many people in this room today that were here on a Wednesday morning, and something really supernatural happened, and it was like God lifted a veil off our eyes, that we'd previously been blind to see and engage with the story um, of Aotearoa, but the veil was not lifted in the sense of the story, the veil was lifted in the sense of our own attitudes and our own hearts. And a whole lot of um, judgments and, you know, probably what I would call today racism. But back then I was ignorant to what I knew and what I was thinking, the attitudes of my mind and the attitudes of my heart. But as I allowed God to lift the veil off my eyes and humble myself under his love, I began to see how my culture 
and the way I had been raised had, um, and, and some of these words you may be familiar with, with what's been happening over social media, but in a sense, white privilege and um, how we came, how white people came and conquered and dominated New Zealand and how the Māori people suffered tremendously and still do to this day suffer from the weight of that um, oppression. So it was like God shift and it just, it wrecked us. It just totally wrecked us. And then when we were having kuriro with Aaron later, he said a couple of things and he said to us, what do you think New Zealand would look like in revival? And I, I can contextualize that because I've got a context here in this church straight away. What would revival look like at C3 Farikarakia? And I don't really have much of a grid other than for an American revival. And um, that is great. And the move of God that happened in that nation sparks my interest and it sparks um, desires in my heart. But it's something that I realized I was actually using as a grid and just pushing into my church. And I began to seek the face of God and just come in to karakia with him, come into meditation with him and his presence, his waru, waru tapu, and allow him to begin to speak into me, what would it look like if New Zealand was in revival and what what would be right for our church's expression? What should we see filling, coming through the doors? What should we see in our services? And if we're really to see, like we were singing before, the restoration of our land and the restoration of people's hearts, that would be um, a significant amount of Māori because this is their nation and this is their land. And essentially, we just don't want a white people's revival. <laughs> we don't want an American revival. We want um, revival to come up out of the whenua, to come up out of the land, to heal the past and to restore the past so that we can live in unity for the future. And so it just began to shift a mindset in me, and this is kind of what I'm trying to um, share with you today. I became awoken to the fact that I had a whole lot of judgments and misconceptions around what God wanted to do here in Aotearoa. And as I assign, um, aligned my heart with His and allowed Him just to speak into me, I began to be aware of these different things sitting inside of us. Not long after that, um, we began a fostering journey, which many of you um, know about, and, and there are people here who have also started this journey, and I honour you today. Many of you have put up your hands to um, care for and protect safe and vulnerable children. And going through the course of fostering, um, one of the things that they really drive into you is what is your mindset and what is your judgment and your reasons behind signing up to fostering? And me, like um, probably a lot of other people, had an innate desire to help, but I had a miss conception that I was the helper and I was definitely had the syndrome without realizing of being the great white hope of the world <laughs> because I thought what I had to offer was what children needed instead of understanding that my service and my sacrifice is to welcome others into my home and to be open to what they need 
and to be open to the fact that maybe I don't have entirely everything that they need and maybe I would have to be as much as a protector, um, a connector because it wasn't my pain to heal. It wasn't, you know. So all of a sudden I became aware of a motive that I felt was pure, but when I submitted it to the will of God, he began to show me my humanity in it. He began to show me this is a seed of the Holy Spirit, which many of us have, but then in that we have our humanity, which is our the way we've been raised, the culture which we've been raised in, and, and all of those subliminal messages get mixed up um, and that's called our part of humanity. And the, the purification of God's love in our heart awakens us to things that are in our heart that are not in his heart. So we began, and it was really great for us. Fostering really um, also opened up, because what fostering did was it opened a door that gripped deeply the emotions of our heart. So not were we moved mentally by something, we were moved deeply emotionally by something. So our heart was connected. And so it was just a, a breeding ground for God to do heart work, not head work. And um, then we realised not long after that, that... Um, these children perhaps have more to give to us than we have to give to them. And also that the one thing we should never do is try to change who they are, but what we should do is try and serve them to empower them for who they are. And that opened a large door in our life. And many of you know our son, Atarea, Atarea Cronshaw Hunter Ferris. Um, his, fa his father is Rehua, his mother is Jasmine, his, his name Atarea is um, his whānau name when before New Zealand was colonised, that was their last name, Atarea, and over the generations it became Terry, and so as, as his whānau found their name, they began to put their name um, they began to take that name. So we then moved into um, a journey with his whānau because he's um, a baby, so he can't advocate for himself. He can't speak to his future. So we have to look to people around him, his whānau and his family, to speak to his future and, and speak to um, what would be best for him. And that was a really powerful journey for us as, and this is really where things gravitated in our heart because we really began to submit to another way of thinking, but not only submit to it, begin to honour it. And I'm, I'm telling you this today because this is what unity and being the body of Christ looks like, but I'm just kind of anchoring it into a story so you can understand. And um, in a long story short, um, Atarea's grandmother, Paikiri Voice, she spoke up for us and she said this one thing. She said, Sarah, I am both Pakiha and Māori and I do not see why my grandson, Atarea, cannot have one foot in the Pakiha world and one foot in the Māori world. And as we come together, we can raise this child in um, powerful identity of who he is because he is both Pakiha and both Māori. And so we have a son that does not belong to us. He belongs to his whānau and family who have literally stretched out their hand and we're holding it. And together we're going to walk through life and allow him to experience the love and protection, but also the identity and the fullness of who God has created him to be. But it's heart-wrenching. 
because we want to control what we love. And what I found about myself, and perhaps I'd offer this as a thought to you, is that we all like to be in control of things. And unless we feel like there's an innate ownership that belongs to us, we're not ready to come in and invest or be vulnerable. And um, let me say right from the bat too, in this church, um, as Jake or Marie Kuriro with us, they're probably the ones most fluent in today or Māori here, um, or we sing waiata, you, you know, just sing. There's no, you don't have to know how to sing it. You don't have to have perfect pronunciation. This is a safe place. We're, we're on a journey, and Mark and I are only four years into a lifetime. Um, and it's not about perfection, but it's about leaning in to the story. It's about having a go at articulating some of these words. It's about saying kia as unfamiliar as that may sound as you say it, as you walk into the auditorium or morena to people. or just It's just leaning in and having a go because the generosity of um, the inheritance of Aotearoa is that we're allowed the gift of language and we're invited into the story and this is actually gives us the most incredible opportunity to fulfill what God, um, what Paul talks about in the Word of God. So I just want you to know that, just have a go in here, just it doesn't matter if you sing the lyrics wrong, just have a go and um, you'll find that Waiata is one of the most powerful ways to begin your Te Reo journey because singing is how we teach tamariki, how to get, you know, sounds going in their mouth and so Waiata is a great gift to us and that's why we sing it here at church. But have a go, come and speak to um, these guys if you want correct pronunciation. Some of us, you know, JB speaks a little today, some of us who are in learning environments or in education environments and social service environments, even um, in council environments, are learning to karakia, are learning to do just basic greetings and so more the merrier, just come in, be involved, and if you call New Zealand home, this is your great invitation, this is your great um, journey that you're allowed to go on. So get into it, and what I was saying is it's heart-wrenching, and I think one of the key the key things along this journey of unity here in Aotearoa and the expression of the body of Christ is being willing to feel the pain that has gone before us. And it's just a really great barometer that when you um, know you're being connected to the journey is that you're starting to feel something. You're starting to feel a sense of empathy. You're starting to feel a sense of understanding. You're starting to feel a sense of hunger to know um, what has happened in this great nation of Aotearoa that you now call home and you are now invited into the story. I wrote down here, we're a part of something much bigger than we're aware. This, this album, Haheta, is, is new dawn. It's the first light. 
and Aotearoa, the land of the long white cloud, this is the place that the sun kisses first. This is the first dawn. And you would, if you've been in church long enough, um, you've heard many prophecies about Jesus doing something significant here and it echoing out through the world because of what New Zealand Aotearoa represents. And Hahita is all of um, this album is about speaking to that, the great tide of life, the great tide of the Holy Spirit, the great tide of love flowing in our earth. And um, But we have to know where we've come from. Pastor Aaron always says to know where we're going. And we have to acknowledge what's happened in the past to be able to move forward into the future. So I encourage you to keep your learning journey going, not just of um, today and um, of culture, but also the story in our past. Hopefully your children in university will learn the Treaty of Waitangi. Never say, don't learn the Treaty of Waitangi, it's rubbish. Don't ever say that. It is one of the most significant gifts that we have across the globe is that there was a treaty entered into with a a spirit of unity that we can now participate on. Um, So let's just flick into, I've got a timer somewhere. Oh, yep, great. Um, We're just having major issues with the lights, guys. So thanks so much for bearing with that. (laughs) But when I look at you, all I can see is bright light. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 3, make every effort, this is Esther Munns drilled this into me when this was just a small wee shadow of a building and there was only purple lino and not much else. Esther Barn was here every day renovating um, and it's just the true spirit of the man. He's not afraid to take on a significant project on his own and um, mind you, we had Phoenix as well and um, I remember having coffee with him out there and talking to him and him, him sharing the scripture with me. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so Ephesians, this is the body of Christ, the unity. There is one body and one spirit, but there is, and we are one people by our belief in him. But we are not trying to make one people. We are trying to empower and release everybody to be who God has created them to be and the expression of that creation, the expression of that culture together as one only because we believe in the same Ehu Karaiti. We believe in the same Jesus Christ who died for all of us. And so we now partake of one Father, but we are all diverse, but in unity because of Him. And unity's expression is not control, it's honour. And this is what we've been speaking about. And today we're just speaking slightly into this in a um, context of our nation. And honour is a diverse subject, but to honour something is to elevate it based on its on its worth. Now the world gets that all mixed up, <laughs> but in Christ our worth is found in that we're created by Him. 
Each and every single one of us have been formed and fashioned. There is no mistake. There is no accident. There is no ability to get our creation wrong. If we have been created, if we have been breathed, if we have been knit together in our mother's womb, then we are the son or the daughter of the living God. And every race, every nationality, every tribe, every language deserves honour because of that one beautiful thing. And honour is that we elevate things that we do not know, things that we do not understand, um, but we acknowledge that Jesus Christ made, formed and fashioned people, and so we honour and elevate them. And the opposite to honour is that control. And when I see church, I see it like Paul wrote about it in Revelations chapter 7. This is so beautiful. Revelations chapter 7. I think it's going to come up on the screen so I can remember what number 9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And that's how I see church and is that every tribe, every Every nation, every race is able to sit and sit in here together, and this is what we cry out: salvation is in you, Jesus Christ, because it's Jesus who unites the body together. It's Jesus who unites diversity together. It's not that it looks, um, kingdom culture is not a culture that is prescriptive to every person, every nation and every tribe. Kingdom culture is the beliefs that we all carry the same that unite us. And so we're united, even though we have different expressions, different engagement. We're united because we know it doesn't matter what somebody's life looks like. Jesus Christ died for them. Therefore, who are we to sit in judgment? Who are we to sit and say that person shouldn't do this? Or who are we to say that culture shouldn't do that? And I know without a shadow of a doubt, there is a lot of people who struggle with a multi-culture because of their misunderstanding of um, their spiritual ways. And their sp- the multi-people are spiritual people. They're, I mean, I'm raising a child and, and he is different than all of my other children solely because he is more intuitive than anything. He is more sensitive and connected spiritually and more aware than any of my children. And it's a gift that is given to him. And I was just having kōrero with Marie the other day is we're going to do a different learning journey with him than we are with our children. And she was kōroroing with someone in the office saying, how do you think Mark and Sarah are going to feel as their pastor's And they're going to be raising their son in the ancient and not ancient, but in the traditional ways of martyrdom, which honors lots of spirits and lots of different things, lots of different wire and lots of different stories. How do you think? Because this is an issue for a lot of people. They're so afraid to connect into the culture and you... 
honestly, I'm not at the kindy drop-off anymore, but I, I see it. Oh, why are they teaching my kids about Maui and how he caught um, New Zealand with his fish hook? And we get, or, or why are they praying karakia at the start and, and praying that the gods of creation will protect them? We're afraid, but we're afraid because we don't understand. And when we don't understand, we sit in judgment, Do you know? And I think that every one of us doesn't want to be like that. I don't, I'm not here to, to try and convict you of your heart or to show you. No, no. I'm just here to say it's in us. We need to acknowledge it so that we can move through it together. So that when God revives the church of Aotearoa, if we don't understand a certain act of worship or a certain expression of praise and love, we won't sit in a seat of judgment. But we'll sit in a seat that says, I know that they're a son of Jesus Christ. I know he died and he rose again for them and he lives in their heart. And we're under the same counsel, the headship of Jesus Christ. We can't be afraid. And in New Zealand, we have the greatest opportunity to show, to, to actually have the church come alive that Paul talked about. Paul spoke about, a church diverse. I mean, I haven't traveled much, and there are other people in this room who have traveled much more than I, but I, I would take a stab enough to say that we're a pretty multicultural nation. We're small, and even in a small town like this, and even in a small group of people like this, there is many different races and many different nationalities. And what we want is that when you walk through the doors of your church, you're on a journey to understand who you are, how God has created you, and your expression of relationship with Him, that everybody would feel free to engage in that, to engage in just who they are and what God is doing in their life, because we're all united under that. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if, just like Paul, we all get to heaven and it's just not a surprise to us? Oh my gosh, everyone in heaven is not white. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know, I, who saw not long ago um, they did that big, you know, because America has really boosted, it's annoying because America's just come in and tried to, you know, take over Black Lives Matter. But I feel like in New Zealand, we've been on this buzz for a long time. We're well, well, well into the journey of reconciliation. And I'm super grateful that God is awakening a people in other nations. And God is um, investing people's hearts into the story of, of other people inside their land. But I feel like for us... We're on the journey. We're awoken to that. We're, you know, we're sending our kids into school environments where they're learning and embracing both Rio and all of, you know, the stories. And, and it's going to change. There's people here like my parents who, you know, have been in New Zealand, many of you, when it was so unallowed to speak any of the native. Like, we've been on a journey, and our kids coming through are going to have such a gift because this is just going to be really natural and really normal for them to be. Many of our children will be bilingual. Many of our children will understand and be able to recite what's happened in New Zealand, you know. But we're in the middle of that, and we have the opportunity to foster and nurture that to come through. We've got the opportunity 
opportunity to really lean into this story and, um, and honor what's already happened and be tenacious in our heart to continue to move forward. So a couple of things, really practical things I'm going to leave you with. Speak the language. <laughs> Kapai. The language represents more than words. Like um, Sama said before, the language, it's holistic. It embodies belief systems. It, belo- it um, embodies um, a way of thinking that is so different to ours. And don't feel silly when you try. It's okay, we all feel silly. <laughs> but as you get more and more, so proud of um, Josh Bergen. I mean, look at this man. But, I mean, Brad Burn. oh, look at you too, God, you're very handsome. <laughs> but when Josh came, he could speak no tereo. And um, he would, a little bit like gravel in his mouth when he would try and speak it, because you feel a bit silly, don't you? Because it's, you know, but just, he's been with us three years now. We're just in a meeting in the office, and he just starts coming up with some of the words, man. He's like, <laughs> just like, come on, right? Lean into the language, and as you lean into the language, then you begin to lean into more understanding. Let's not sit in a seat of judgment over things that we don't understand. When you are with your kids at school, when you are doing different engagements in the community, if you don't understand it, don't let your, whatever you think your spiritual antennas are prick up and go, oh, I don't know if this is right. It's okay. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean something bad's going to happen to you or anything like that. Just listen, observe, be a student of what is happening and then find somebody to kuriro with afterwards and ask them to explain what's happened, to gain some understanding on. And so then we get our heart, the walls just come down and what we find is that we begin to not only speak the language but we're beginning to embrace it. We're beginning to embrace it. And if we embrace it, it can spread, it can grow, it can develop. And really what I want for us as a church is nothing other than let's just go on the journey of really pursuing what does it mean for revival to hit Aotearoa? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And it should feel like and it should sound like, and it should echo the tangata whenua of our land, the Māori people. And I'm not entirely 100% sure what that looks like or what, how that's going to happen, other than I know it's the daily decisions of my heart. And let's just not, and, and the last thing is, just be aware of your judgments. So easy to have judgments. And the sad thing is when a people have been oppressed, they're stuck in a system that's not their own and they don't flourish. But we believe it's the right system. So we have all these horrible statistics like in in social work, high percentage of both Māori and Pacific 
in our prisons, high percentage of both Māori and Pacific, high percentages in a whole lot of areas that form statistics that get fed to us as belief systems. And when we come into agreement with a spirit of judgment, we're just empowering the oppression. But really, if there's any majority of a people group stuck in a statistic, it's because there's an environment that's not causing them to flourish and thrive. There's just something missing, you know? And really, if we just are aware sometimes of how much these judgments are in us, and we avail ourselves to say, Holy Spirit, show me to how to be in unity with this great nation of Aotearoa, then we're going to help slowly to change those statistics. And one of the most powerful ways we'll do it is not pass on that judgment to our children. Not pass on that judgment at all, but pass on empowerment and freedom. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.